0: This show is produced by Sharebird, the knowledge sharing platform for the fastest growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers to your questions and learn from leaders at the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Check out sharebird.com. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That is Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards delivered everywhere your sales reps live and allow them to contribute insights directly from the field. Its competitive strategy as a key lever of revenue. Elevate your role and outmaneuver, outplay, and outmatch the competition with this. Welcome back to season four of the Product Marketing Experts Podcast. Today I am so excited for this conversation and have Jamila Calhoun. With me, the global head of product marketing at Eventbrite. Eventbrite is a juggernaut and a powerhouse in event management and experiences. Jamila, welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Eventbrite?
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Jeffrey. I'm so excited for this conversation as well. So, in terms of my role, I joined Eventbrite just about six months ago to help stand up a global product marketing team that spans across both sides of our events marketplace. On the event creator side of the business, we manage all of our marketing tools as well as ticketing tools that help our creators drive success for their businesses. And on the consumer side, it's all about driving that continued consumer engagement and helping them find interesting things to do. So it's been an incredible ride and what a, incredible privilege it is to work on such a product that really impacts many different people's households every single day. And where we've really plugged in is how do we help continue the evolution that Eventbrite's been on from its roots as truly a ticketing tool into now being, as you alluded to earlier, Jeffrey, that juggernaut that's really at the intersection of helping creators and small businesses thrive. And that's messaging, that's launching new products with our product team. And that's all about kind of resetting how we position ourselves in the market.
0: That's amazing. And it seems like there is, if it's fair to say, more opportunity than ever ahead of you and the team, Jamelia, especially coming out of the pandemic and people desiring and not being able to wait for in-person events. I know I'm one of those people who just can't wait <laughs> to get back, not just into an office, but, but certainly out to events to see colleagues and friends and others in the industry again.
1: Absolutely. It's so central to everything that we just want to do as human beings. And I think what's so special as well is that Eventbrite has actually stepped up from a leadership perspective and advocacy perspective to really talk about social isolation as a key cause that we really care about and the ways that gathering is really the antidote for that, especially after the period of time that we just went through where people were really isolated from their families and friends. So it feels really, really exciting to be a part of, as you said, this reemergence that's occurring for all of us coming out of the pandemic.
0: For sure. I, I imagine it has placed even more of an emphasis on your role and your, your team's role than Bright. Because of that, I want to talk a little bit about market research. Market research is one of those topics that I think it's talked about a little bit in product marketing. We all know it's critically important, but we probably don't focus, if it's fair to say, enough time and energy on market research overall, at least. And so maybe let's start at the top level, so to speak. Curious how you think about it around market research. How does it fit into your team at Eventbrite? And curious about your just kind of general philosophy around market research.
1: Absolutely. I think market research is the bedrock, honestly, of what we do as product marketers. I always like to say that I have just four always taking in so much analytics, so much research, so much UX research into the team so that it really can drive our strategies going forward. And so those are the teams that we are really locked hand in hand day to day to ensure that we're helping to understand the customer and champion their needs throughout the organization. Tactically, whether market research directly reports into product marketing or not, is a question for each organization, but I am starting to see across industry more and more really close kind of even organizational alignment of market research and product marketing because of those critically important synergies. The way I like to think of it is that really, product marketing has a role to really be almost the headlights of the business, looking ahead and really shining a light on those industry trends, those market dynamics that are going to impact us as we continue to push forward. And so having that close alignment with market research makes perfect sense in my mind. And actually for my team at Eventbrite, market research is within my overall organization. You know, in terms of what we actually do with market research, to me, it's all about how do you really start to understand your prospect landscape in a way that's actionable and that can drive your strategy. And whether it's all about getting them to sign up for a service or more about really just understanding the other ways and other needs that they have as they go about their day that can help inform adjacencies and expansion opportunities. I think all of that is such an important piece of truly understanding your customers because otherwise you can really get into a behavior or a habit that is all about kind of just looking inward as a business, constantly looking at your own KPIs and maybe you're hitting all of your KPIs every month but if the market externally is shifting, you may actually miss a moment and miss a trend if you're kind of constantly looking downward at your own metrics and not doing that prospect research To
0: really stay ahead. I completely agree. And product marketing can really be the bedrock, as you mentioned, to ensuring that the company overall is shifting with the market and at least aware of those market changes and shifts that are coming down the pipeline. As a part of the kind of functional outputs or functional work that you think about within your research team, I think there's a few key capabilities and I want to drill into each one of these separately, but one of those I think is segmentation. And a lot of people talk about segmentation and how do you segment your audience and your market and so forth. Curious how you think about segmentation and how you talk to your team about it, how you maybe technically do it at a high level at Eventbrite.
1: Yeah, I love this question and segmentations are definitely something I could geek out about all day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you really could because they're so complex, as we well know. I think when I think about segmentations, I think the power of them is that they really help you create more of a targeted and personalized view of the customers that you serve. And so, to me, segmentations are some of the most actionable insights that you can gather from market research. One, because it helps you empathize with your customers but two, it's at a scale at which you could really make broader decisions as a business in terms of what product you're going to build and in terms of what channels and marketing strategies you're going to engage on. And three, they can be really dynamic and continue to evolve as you get more data and more inputs into your process. I contrast this with personas, which also play a critical role again, in terms of personifying those segments. But I really think it's important to start with the segmentations because that's where you're able to really scale your impact across a broader group of your customers and ensure that, again, you're not just kind of looking inward at one persona or another, but actually thinking about the breadth of your whole lens. And in terms of how we kind of, how I like to think about segments in Eventbrite, but also beyond that, I really think it's important to understand that segments are meant to be multifaceted and often layer on top of each other. So of course, everyone kind of can think about larger segmentations in B2B that are just kind of enterprise versus N sub b But oftentimes you can layer on top of that things like geography, psychographics, what motivates them may be completely different. A business owner who as we found at Eventbrite, who's really learning how to run their events business, who's really motivated and kind of new and fresh to this part of their kind of business journey, has very different needs and also motivations and even willingness to pay than somebody who is really experienced and has been running their business for 10 years. And so how do we start to ensure that we are able to take in a multifaceted view of our customers, that's just not one or the other, either geography or business size or experience, but really how do these things actually intersect? And then we can really create a much more kind of nuanced and interesting view of who our customers are.
0: I love that. And it feels like as a part of that multifaceted analysis that you're doing, you're creating this truly real representation of your customers all all too many times, especially early on. To be fair in product marketing, it felt like we were creating a lot of fictional representations, right? And I think it's important to connect that down to the reality that your sales team or your customer success team or whomever else it might be on your broader go-to-market teams are truly seeing out in the marketplace.
1: Right. And I think to build on that, there's also the importance of being able to measure those audience groups. So I think sometimes with the fictional representations, you often run into the challenge of, well, what's the data proxy that would help us kind of identify this customer in our data sets and in our customer base that would allow us to look at behavioral differences, who's using the platform more? Who comes back as a monthly active user more, et cetera. And so not being able to have those clear data proxies can be a challenge for ensuring that the insights that you're deriving are actually able to be actioned by the sales team and by the product team and everyone else across your organization. So I think there's just a really strong role for these types of data-driven segmentations to play to support your ultimate goals as a product marketer.
0: Completely agree. And maybe just one more question on that r- real quick, because I, I do want mm-hmm. to talk a little bit more about the representation and personifying <laughs> this and bringing this to life. But how do you keep that data up to date, right? Like I certainly deal with it, probably everyone de- listening to this podcast deals with it too, but we're all looking at a ton of data yet in front of us. How do you constantly kind of ingest and make sense and update that, that view of the world, so to speak?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. I think generally, if you're really finding some of these larger dynamics that drive the difference in either usage or lifetime value in your ecosystem, segmentation should be fairly durable for at least on annual cycles. But in smaller fashion throughout the year, I think it's important to continuously ensure that you're looking at your key KPIs along those dimensions so that you can always be double checking that these dimensions are still the most salient for your particular business. So one of the things I always talk about with my team is I know that everyone loves to track averages over time. But one of the most powerful tools as a product marketer is to look at distributions and really understanding where disproportionate behaviors are happening in your product. And so I think if you're consistently looking at those distributions, those can be an early signal of a time when you might need to reevaluate your understanding of certain segments or can help you surface a new layer to your segmentation that might be important to consider going forward. So not kind of missing some of these insights by always looking at averages will ensure that if it's the case that your segmentation is starting to shift, that you'll be more aware of that.
0: I love that. And what you just said is so valuable and so insightful in finding those use cases that may not be totally obvious and maybe edge cases right now, but are important to potentially pay attention to as they emerge is so critical. As we drill down a little bit further into segmentation, I think about creating things like personas, right? And as we were talking a little bit about a few minutes ago, how it can be kind of fictional, but curious how you think about persona creation at Eventbrite, how you've maybe done persona creation even in the past or current, and how you just generally think about not only the use of data to create personas, but the output and enabling your your go-to-market facing teams with those pieces of content and those assets.
1: Yeah, this is such a rich area to talk about. One, because Again, I focus a lot on actionability, if you guys probably can guess at this point. And so I often like to think about the output first in terms of what is actually going to make the persona as usable as possible, as you mentioned, to those go-to-market teams. So I often usually start by going to, for example, my performance marketing team and saying, well, what can you target against? What dimensions could you find in the market? And then... From that perspective, knowing that I already have a segmentation, I can look into the data to understand what might be important to highlight or bring out about that particular group. So for example, you know whether it's around demographics or things like that, which we know in performance media can have some importance on targeting. If I know that upfront, then I know that that's an area of data that I can continue to pull forward as I'm investigating the segments that I really want to personify. The other layer, of course, is going into more of the qual. So how do you take some of that data, but then also validate it by really getting in front of people who represent this segment? One through, of course, surveys, but I actually think that as I'm doing persona work, it's so important to do more focus groups and qualitative research that really allows you to have that deeper empathy, understand some of those intangibles that are really potentially important and could actually drive quite a few of the similarities between the people in a particular segment. So I think I always start first with like, what's actually going to be able to be targeted within the channels that we use, go to the data and then add more nuance and richness through the qualitative layer of research on top.
0: I love that, Jamila. Thank you for that insight. Because I think a lot of times people, and by the way, I myself have done this in the past, but Go to this fictional representation, right? Not to overly focus on that, but try to personify this person and the attributes that we believe that they include versus looking at what attributes we specifically can get, I think is is critically important and really helps not only, of course, our marketing team kind of target net new uh, prospects or accounts, but it also really brings that to life more so for a lot of our kind of sales teams uh, downstream as well.
1: Right. Spot on. And definitely, like you said, I think sales teams are really one of the key proof in the pudding of where personas can come to life because they're really having those interpersonal conversations. I'd also highlight, you know, in my experience, even starting my career really at American Express as well, is they really use personas in customer service. And so a lot of times we often think about the channels being primarily about acquisition channels. But I think personas have such an important role to play on also supporting the ability to deliver really personalized and nuanced customer service that can really drive a special relationship and retention with your customers.
0: Completely agree. And I think that brings up actually an interesting point as well, because in a previous organization, I had somebody come to me and say, Hey, like, should your team be doing some of the user persona research that we're focused on and how deeply should product marketing be extending into that? And I think that brings up the interesting question of, right, there's like kind of these two camps of almost these market-facing personas and and user personas or sales personas and user personas. Curious how you think about that. Where does the kind of line get drawn, so to speak, in product marketing ownership and, and how do you view those two distinct personas?
1: Yeah, so I think that for me, I think it's so important that market research and user research have an incredibly close partnership and relationship. And really, that there's that cross pollination of ideas and methodologies happening between those two teams. But the way that I kind of think about delineating the roles between the two is all about what is kind of the broader landscape inclusive of prospects and how they are basically making decisions in the marketplace. And the user research being all about how people are interacting and behaving on your particular platform. But both of those have a role in product market fit. And I think that's the synergy and intersection that product marketing really leans into. Because, you know, one, on product market fit, it's all about not just The audience, but also your product model and your monetization model as well. And on the user research side, it's also about how easily people can onboard to the product and the usability of the product. And so both of those sides of research become so important to product marketers as you're really trying to. One, validate product market fit, especially if you're in more of a new product development situation, as well as figuring out what's the most important things to highlight from a value perspective, because you not only in your messaging need to speak relative to other offerings in the market for prospects, but you also need to speak to the actual experience of the product and the benefits of the product. Which could really come through in user research. So, just to say, I think there's an important role for both of those disciplines to play. And as I said in the beginning, my team wants all of it. So, <laughs> really <laughs> going to help us succeed.
0: <laughs> for, for sure. And I love the focus on the integration there and the shared sense of ownership between how it can impact messaging. Because at the end of the day, these aren't competitive disciplines, so to speak. They're complementary disciplines. Absolutely. And I think that brings up one other side of research as well that we haven't talked about quite yet, which is competitive, right? A lot of sales teams, a lot of go-to-market teams focus on competitors, some far more than others. But how do you think about competitive analysis and how does that fit into... This broader ecosystem of market research, maybe user research even, and the overall research arm of product marketing?
1: Yeah. Competitive research, I think when it is really at its best is when it's embedded in just about every function. And what I mean by that is every part of delivering value to the customers should be benchmarked. So there could be competitive benchmarking and kind of teardowns of products, the actual product experience. Of course, there is at a value proposition level, looking at the competition, which is really what product marketers do. But then even from a customer service perspective, are we really looking at the service tiers and the level of service that competitors are offering as well? And so just to say there's The really great functions that I've seen uh, around competitive analysis ensure that it is something that every single part of the organization does to some extent. And so I want to make sure that while product marketing may be looking at competitors from, again, that holistic value proposition perspective, that every team is benchmarking and thinking about how can we do this better? Who can we learn from? The second piece to me that's super important is how you define your competitive landscape. And I think what often can happen, especially in today's tech world where lines are blurring between industries, is that oftentimes as product marketers, we first have to engage in category definition. What category are we even playing in? You know, are you know, purely... Uh, For example, when I was at Audible or is it entertainment or some people use it for self development. And so by virtue of that, that has two different kind of sets of potential competitors and substitutes that you would think about for your customers. So I think first getting your organization aligned that this is something that every single function has a role to play in and should be doing for their particular part of the customer value chain. And two, that Ultimately, you have to get the whole organization aligned around a category definition that will help you narrow down, like, who are the competitors and substitutes we really want to think about.
0: Completely agree. And competitive intelligence, just to go back just a little bit here. I think to your point, it has to start with everyone at the organization because just placing it in one person's purview will ultimately lessen, so to speak, the amount of insights that you really get. I think product marketing can function as this glue to take all those insights that everyone is getting and then, of course, distribute and enable and train everyone within the organization. But to your point, this needs to be kind of a whole company effort.
1: Absolutely. And I think the other piece that could often come is that the competitive set when you're trying to do an exercise of benchmarking can often be different than the competitive set when you're actually thinking about customer choice. And so I think what's interesting is also to ensure that people understand, similar to what we talked about with segmentation, that there's not just one bright segmentation but often they are layered and same thing happens with the competitive landscape if you're talking about you know events discovery and helping our consumers discover events there are multiple different companies not in the event space at all that are all about helping consumer discovery and so perhaps from a benchmarking perspective you might think of those companies but then when it comes to actually customers choices about where to look for events that might be a different set of competitors.
0: That's a really interesting viewpoint. And I think you're entirely right. The way folks use your product or a piece of your product may mean there's a completely different set of competitors and it's incumbent on us to look at all those different facets and ensure that we have a reporting on those. So to speak. Maybe more, just one more question as we wind down here. One thing that I love to ask all my guests, because you are truly a product marketing expert and your knowledge and wisdom in market research is amazing. And So I'd love to just maybe get any insight that you're willing to share with the audience here that you've learned along your career, or maybe from a mentor that you've had about product marketing or market research, even that you're willing to share with the audience.
1: Yeah, I think I find myself feeling really honored and just really excited about being able to be in the product marketing field at this time. And there's so much kind of growth and energy around the value that product marketing can really deliver for various organizations. So that's really energizing to me. And so I'm so excited for others who are starting to think about joining this field or growing their career in this field. One piece of advice that I kind of always come back to, if this hasn't as obvious, is, is to always put on your own personal research. hat. I find that Consistently going out and just talking to people in the line in the grocery store about even their experience about this grocery store. Asking them about your product that you're actually working with uh, at work ensures that you kind of consistently have that lens of being an observer and of being able to empathize with your customers in various ways. So I just always encourage people to not just think about Uh, product marketing as something you kind of clock in on, but also a way of thinking and how you engage with questions in the world. So that's always been what keeps me motivated and also just where I feel really energized by innovative ideas.
0: I love that mindset, Jamila, and always be learning and continuous development. It's so important. And it's also important to your point, and it's something I haven't quite thought of to do at the grocery store, but to you know get out of our bubble, so to speak, right? It's pretty easy within our own respective organizations to drink the proverbial Kool-Aid and to get indoctrinated into the product roadmap and all of these various things happening. And to break outside of that from time to time is critically important, I think, to get that real feedback, even if it's at the grocery store.
1: Right. <laughs> I probably have annoyed quite a few people who are just trying to grab a bag of chips, but I'm sure hopefully they don't mind too much. And it is always just another way to stay energized and curious as you're going about your errands.
0: For sure. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Jamila, and for your expertise and wisdom. I appreciate it. Any final words you want to share with the audience about where they can find you or what you're up to at Eventbrite, any open roles, any content you're publishing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, one, thank you, Jeffrey, again, for having me on the podcast. I definitely encourage people to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Pretty sure I'm the only Jamila Calhoun on there. So hopefully pretty easy to find. And I'd also plug the fact that my team is definitely growing. We're continuing to invest in bringing more product marketers on with several kind of leadership roles on the team open as well as market research roles. So definitely either reach out on LinkedIn or head to our Eventbrite careers site to see about those roles.
0: Love to hear about product marketing teams continue to grow. Hopefully folks listening to this will reach out to Jamila. Thank you again for being on the podcast and have a great rest of your day.
1: All right, you too. Thank you.
0: This show is produced by Sherbrooke the knowledge-sharing platform for the fastest-growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers to your questions and learn from leaders at the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Check
1: out Sharebird.com.